Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Matt Gorin. Matt, are you ready to do this? Let's do it. Excellent. Let's do this. Matt is a financial literacy educator, advisor, and consultant. He is a PhD in psychology. He hosts the radio show, Nothing Funny About Money, and he is the co-founder of Beyond Berkeley Consulting. I'm excited to have you on. Matt, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. So what I do a lot of right now is host a radio show myself, uh, Nothing Funny About Money. That takes about half my time and the idea there is to bring a lot of the financial topics that you talk about on your show to a mass audience here in North Georgia and to some extent around the country. Um, as I'm sure you and your listeners are aware, people are terrible with managing their money and a, a big reason for that, uh, you mentioned the psychology degree, managing money is not a good time for a lot of people and so we're trying to make it a little more interesting. And uh, then the other half of my life is, as you said, being a consultant. So I help uh, universities, nonprofits, financial advisors, all sorts of people help work with clients better, help work with students better, again, to make these topics a little more accessible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a kind of a goofy time that we live in because a lot of the, the traditional indicators like the stock market and job report numbers – all seem to suggest that things are going great, but I am on the other side of that, and I think that so many of us are struggling with money. So, do you have a sense of that? Is that just the media yeah. that, that 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 likes to talk about how the market's going great? Uh, well, I think you know, as you said, certainly objectively speaking, the stock market just hit another historical high. Unemployment is. Uh, I think at historical lows, if not, um, you know, lowest in the last, say, 10 or so years. Uh, what I've noticed is that when the economy is not doing very well, people on average tend to be better about managing their money. When the economy is better, it's almost as if we forgot how, uh, how bad things were, how good we could have been managing our money, and then we're right back to all the same bad habits. So, Follow credit card debt. I think that's a, a decent proxy for financial uh, behavior. And uh, 2011, I think it was, something like that. So the kind of the Great Recession still going on. Credit card debt was going down. Now the economy's humming. Things are going great. And credit card debt's going back up again. How does that make any sense? If, if it only was about finances, credit card debt would be really uh, – dropping like a stone because people are making more money. Instead, uh, they're misbehaving themselves. Yeah, that's an, I think that that's a, a great way to look at it. It just is giving them a false sense of confidence that things are going to get better or maybe they're going to be making more money in the future or whatever it might be. It's it's motivating them to motivate people, everybody, to, uh, to spend and consume more. I think that that's a, a, a great way to look at it. I read a couple of interesting articles lately. Um, one, it was from the 2016 Census Bureau was where this information came from, talked about how 52.1% of kids currently living in the United States, 
live in households receiving means-tested government assistance. And that was a shocking one to me. Um, and I think it just goes to, well, I, I don't even know if that's credit card debt because probably those folks can't qualify for credit cards, but it just goes that's to true. that the economy is might be doing great by those traditional signals, but Americans are not doing great. Yeah, a lot of people are being left behind. Um, and uh, God, we're going into all sorts of sociological stuff now. Um, a lot of the people having kids are the least able to afford those kids. And then it gets this uh, cycle of poverty that, that can keep going through generations. And as you said, it's uh, when we're talking credit card debt, we're really talking middle class people, uh, people who should it, you know, to say that broadly, we can talk about individual circumstances, but on average, people who should be able to manage their finances in a way where they don't need to rely on credit card debt, they're the ones doing it. Then, of course, we're not even talking uh, or we hadn't been talking about those other 50 percent of Americans who are struggling because they still don't make enough despite uh, the overall economy uh, doing much better. Is is it a f- so? Like I, I, I agree, and it's one of those things. Is it a matter of wages need to increase, or is it a matter of lifestyles need to be dialed back? I guess it's all individual, but yeah. So for for some people, it's the one; for others, it's the other. Um, we just did an episode. Uh, I mean, this is gosh. Could you be more timely? I think actually our next episode coming out uh, in a week. <laughs> Yes, thank you for that uh, plug. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm just going to start talking about my show, I guess. So Perfect. Uh, September 7th, this uh, not this Friday, but the next Friday, uh, as at least at the time we're recording this, we talk literally, that's what we talk about the whole show, is uh, on the, when you think of cash flow, there's the money coming in, there's the money going out. For some people, the problem is too much money's going out. For other people, the problem is not enough money's coming in and and how do you know which box you're in, basically? And then what can you do? And absolutely, for some people, the issue is the income is just too low. And does that mean they need to get more education, different skills? Do they need to ask for raises at work, find a new job, move out of the distressed economy that they're in and say, a small town in uh, the Midwest? All sorts of different issues with not making enough. And then for a lot of more middle class Americans, the issue really is uh, expenses are through the roof. Um, Americans spend a lot of money. That's news to no one. Um, And uh, the way that a lot of people spend their money isn't improving their quality of life at all. And it creates this addictive cycle where I'm going to spend my money on something that should make me happy. It doesn't. Well, now I got to go spend my money on something else that should do it. That doesn't. And it just keeps going. Yeah, that's a that is a tough one to untangle right there. It, it is not having enough money coming in. There are, I don't know if there's clear remedies to it, but it's, it's pretty clear maybe what the problems are to your point. Maybe they're living in a, a part of the country where there's not enough opportunity or uh, who, uh, there's, there's any number of reasons, but addressing the issue of I'm consuming to try to be happy and spending money in a, a frivolous way um, chasing that that's a tougher one to kind of get your arms around at least from my perspective and I, I think it's really hard to to 
to help those people from the outside going in. And I, I'm not sure how to effectively help people kind of make that realization that they're just blowing money and it's not going to make them happy. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, that that's kind of my bread and butter. So I have plenty of thoughts on that. Um, I, I want to make one last note on those other people who aren't making a lot of money. What some outsiders may believe is that those people who aren't making much should spend less. And what I have found is that those people not making very much are actually extremely good at budgeting their money. And we can point out, oh, but they spent on X or they spent on Z, whatever. But for the most part, they're really good at it because there's not enough money to go around. It's something about having discretionary income that then allows people to make some really silly boneheaded purchases. And um, what I've noticed is that the the purchases that people are making that really do nothing for them are the ones where you subscribe to something, you have a fixed cost, it just keeps going forever and ever and ever. And that expense kind of becomes a little invisible and yet still affects a lot of your income or a lot of your, uh, your budget at the end of the day. So when we work with clients to try to get them to recognize what some of those things are, having people just keep a budget for three months, that's it. That's a very common thing we have people do. Just three months. Where do you actually spend your money? And those invisible expenses become visible. And a lot of times that's all the people need. They don't even realize how much they're spending on this stuff. Once it's in front of them, they say, you know what? I don't need you to tell me anything. I know that I don't want to spend my money here and I'm going to pull back. Got it. I think that that's awesome. Just helping them to self-identify. <clears throat> wow, I didn't even realize 50 bucks here, 30 bucks, 100 bucks there. It was just sort of death by a thousand cuts kind of a thing. Yeah, and we do it, uh, take it, if you're doing uh, an expense every day or every week, bring it out so it's every year. What does this look like yearly? And this is a, a cliche, but uh, coffee, how much do we spend on coffee? And you'll see someone who drops, I don't know, three bucks a day on coffee. Well, there's 200 or whatever, 300 working days a year. I don't even know. This is the problem of being a consultant. I work <laughs> out of my house. I, how, how often do people work? Let's say it's 300. Three times 300 is 900. Suddenly, does $900 on coffee every year, does that speak to you? Is that a lot of money? And uh, I, I actually, I say it's a cliche because I really, I think the coffee thing's kind of silly to me because $900 a year to me, a middle-class American, that's not a lot of money. I look at things like uh, how much are you spending on your rent or housing more generally? How much are you spending on your car? And I'll see people who are working class people here in Athens, Georgia. They'll go out and buy a brand new SUV thinking this is what I need. This is the American dream without doing the math, without doing the budget. How much is this going to cost you? That brand new SUV, that might cost somebody $900 a month. So now let's drag that out. How much is that going to cost you every single year? And now we're talking uh, over 10,000 bucks, right? This is a, a huge amount of money. The average salary here in Athens is something like $38,000 a year, something like that. So if you're dropping $10,000 just in your car, that doesn't leave you with a lot of money to do anything else. 
not a lot of wiggle room on that one. And then you factor in the insurance and registration and gas and everything else, and that is a huge chunk. So well, I, I all this yeah. uh, invisible. That's right. the thing. Yeah, and I, I I completely agree that it's important to look at the little things like cups of coffee because a thousand dollars a year is that's it's it's a good amount of money, but it's really it's those big things like cars your rent or or your mortgage payment, those are the things that are really going to impact somebody's ability to really be financially successful. Yeah. And uh, when people think about um, cutting back on some of these expenses, there's a lot of resistance at first. If, if you walk in with a, a client and say, you need to cut back on the car, you need to cut back on the housing, people are going to find a new advisor, basically. But instead of thinking of it as a loss of cutting, what we work with clients to do is think of what you're going to gain. By saving money here, you're going to gain money that you can then spend on these other things that you want. So let's sit for a minute. Let's identify what, you're, what you feel like you're missing, what you want from your life, what you enjoy. And a lot of times that's spending time with my family, going on vacations, donating to charity, having parties. This is not like a revolutionary idea, right? But people will say, I don't have enough money for this stuff. Well, what if now we think of it as pull back on the car somehow and we can figure out how to do that, pull back on the housing, pull back on the cable TV subscription. That's going to be like paying you 5,000 bucks here, 2,000 bucks there. We're then going to take that payment again and we're going to go spend it on a vacation. Go spend more money, but spend more money strategically on things that are making you happy. Yeah, I think that that's awesome. I'm sure that you're familiar with this idea of minimalism and the basic thrust of it is simply that don't let stuff get in the way of what's really important to you and, and, and your family. And I think that, yeah, I People just do it without really taking a deep examination of what is truly important and is this car or watch going to make it harder for me to get to those things that are of greatest importance to me. So that's excellent framing. Yeah. And if people want to spend money on watches or whatever, I'm not, I don't mean to tell anybody what to do, but there are some things that uh, we're all the same species, right? We're all human beings and we like spending time with each other. And we like doing new fun experiences. And if spending money on a watch means you can't do the things that make most people happy or make you individually happy, then that's a real disservice to your life. <clears throat> Truly. And yeah, I I just I, I think that the way that you frame that looking at it as as a gain instead of a loss is an excellent way for people just to just to change change their perspective on that. So I think that, that is excellent. Well, Matt, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? All right. Oh, God. I think I had uh, <laughs> a really clever one last time. What is my difference-making tip? Well, maybe, uh, yeah, sit down and uh, think about what's the happiest you've ever been. Take a moment. Get that memory out of the, the dark cobwebs of your mind. What were you doing? Who were you with? And now assess your finances. What can you do to give yourself more of those happy memories? What about that happiest experience can you make happen in the future? 
what do you need to trim back on or where do you need to reallocate the money so you can have more of those happy experiences? How about that? I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So, awesome. <laughs> Matt, uh, where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can they How can they hear you on the radio? Nothingfunnyaboutmoney.org. We are on WUGA in Athens. That's a local NPR affiliate. We're shifting gears to be a weekly program this spring. We're a monthly program right now. And hopefully, if they don't hear us on the website where you can hear all our episodes, you'll hear us statewide. That's the goal. Be statewide in Georgia by uh, next year. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Matt your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out the radio show, and I will list all the places that you can find it in the notes of the show as well. And I'm sure that Matt's also around on social media, and I'll list those as well. So thank you again, Matt. You're very welcome. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!